First reading is from Ephesians 4, 1 to 16. I, therefore, a prisoner for the Lord, urge you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which you have been called, with all humility and gentleness, with patience, bearing with one another in love, eager to maintain the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. There is one body and one spirit, just as you were called to the one hope that belongs to your call. One Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is over all and through all and in all. But grace was given to each one of us according to the measure of Christ's gift. Therefore it says, when he ascended on high, he led a host of captives, and he gave gifts to his people. In saying he ascended, what does it mean but that he also descended into the lower regions of the earth? He who descended is the one who also ascended far above all the heavens, that he might fill all things. And he gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds and teachers to equip the saints for the work of ministry, for building up of the body of Christ until we all attain to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God to maturity, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ, so that we may no longer be children tossed to and fro by the waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine, by human cunning, by craftiness and deceitful schemes. Rather, speaking the truth in love, we are growing up in every way into him who is the head into Christ, from whom the whole body, joined and held together by every joint with which it is equipped, when each part is working properly, makes the body grow so that it builds itself up in love. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. A reading from Corinthians, chapter 12, verses 4 to 7, 12 to 21. Now, there are varieties of gifts, but the same Spirit. And there are varieties of service, but the same Lord. And there are varieties of activities, but it is the same God who empowers them all and everyone. To each is given the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. For just as the body is one and has many members, and all the members of the body, though many, are one body, so it is with Christ. For in one Spirit we were all baptized into one body, Jews or Greeks, slaves or free, and all were made to drink of one Spirit. For the body does not consist of one member, but of many. If the foot should say, because I am not a hand, I do not belong to the body, that would not make it any less a part of the body. And if the ear should say, because I am not an eye, I do not belong to the body, that would not make it any less a part of the body. If the whole body were an eye, where would be the sense of hearing? If the whole body were an ear, where would be the sense of smell? But as it is, God arranged the members of the body, each one of them, as he chose. If all were a single member, where would the body be? As it is, there are many parts, yet one body. The eye cannot say to the hand, I have no need of you, nor again the head to the feet, I have no need of you. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. As I begin, let's bow our heads in a word of prayer. Heavenly Father, we acknowledge and thank you for your presence with us. We'd ask now that your word would rule over us, your spirit would teach us, 
and that you being known and glorified would be our first and our only concern. For we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. This fall, we've been looking at the diversity of gifts that God lavishes us upon us as church, that in the words of Ephesians, we would walk in balance, in step, in equilibrium with the calling, that we would bear witness and word and deed to a new humanity, a new future, that Jesus has won for us in his death and resurrection, that we would come to maturity in Christ and be built up in love. And we've been looking at that diversity of gifts through the categories that were coined by Robert Clinton. And they are the love gifts, the word gifts, and the power gifts. Love gifts are those gifts that make manifest the love of God in practical ways. Gifts like helps, administration, mercy, giving. Word gifts are those that clarify the nature, action, and purposes of God Gifts like teaching, leading, shepherding. The power gifts are those that demonstrate the power, presence, and purposes of God. Gifts like words of knowledge and wisdom, faith, tongues, and interpretation of tongues. And we've engaged this series out of the conviction that every single one of us in Christ has been given one of these gifts such that we can say that all of us are ministers in the church because these gifts were given to us that we might minister to one another, serve one another, build one another up in love, that we might become the church we've been called to be. Now, I suspect one of the lingering questions we've had as we've gone through this series is, okay, so you say that every single one of us has a gift, yes? But what gift do I have? And so before we look at our text that was just read for us this morning, let's take a moment to address that question. Now over the years, I've engaged a few times in teaching and training around the spiritual gifts. And when it comes to the question of what is my particular gift, often a gift survey is utilized. A survey that asks a number of questions that when you answer, it spits out at the end what your top couple of gifts might be. And so when we explored this topic for the last fall's retreat, I approached a friend of mine, John Thompson, who's a pastor of Sanctus Church in Ajax, who's done uh, extensive formation of his community around the spiritual gifts, and asked him, John, I'd really like to help our community discover their gifts Can you suggest a survey that's biblical and helpful and reliable? And he strongly encouraged us to steer clear of those gift surveys. Why? Because they're often biased toward one gift set over others. And they're often asking questions based on experience and expertise. But what if you not yet utilized your gift or not had it named or encouraged or affirmed? Instead of a survey, John encouraged us as a community to rely upon one another because our spiritual gifts are best discerned within community. It was the Anglican theologian J.I. Packer who in a talk years ago said this, 
It is the job of every small group to ordain itself. Meaning that your small group or the circle of people you're closest to in the church are perfectly situated and should see it as their role, their privilege, their calling to name your gift, encourage it, affirm it, speak of its impact on their lives personally and our corporate life together. So out of that wise advice, I want to invite you to two practical tasks this week. First, I want you to think of one or more people in your small group or or circle of friends and, and think of their gift. Think of its impact on you, on our community, and either send them an email, write them a note, give them a call, name their gift, affirm it, encourage it. Speak of how it has impacted your being built up in Christ, how it's impacted all of us being built up in love. Now, I know that even if we had a 100% response rate to that task, we'd have some who were given uh, multiple affirmations and some who would receive none at all. And that can't be helped. So I would also encourage you personally, perhaps in your small group, and we've given you some questions this week to, to help this along, or perhaps in that circle of friends, to invite them into your discernment to say, I think this might be my gift, or that my gift lies within this category. Does that resonate with you? Does that jive with your experience of me? Where have you seen me use that gift, and toward what end? Our spiritual gifts are best discerned in the context of community. This week I was listening to a training session one church had put together for its community to help them discern their spiritual gifts. And one of the things they said that I thought was incredibly helpful is that the discernment of our gifts arises out of the convergence of three things. Ability, affinity, and opportunity. Ability, what are you good at? Affinity, what are you drawn to? What are you passionate about? An opportunity. Is there a need? Has God opened a door? Has someone asked you to do something? We discover our spiritual gifts through the convergence of ability, affinity, and opportunity. And their advice was that we should begin with opportunity, with the need, the ask, the door that God has opened because our spiritual gifts are not intended for our own sake. They're intended for the sake of others to minister, to serve. And so begin with opportunity. Respond positively to that need, that ask. And along the way, discover that ability and that affinity and course correct as needed. How do you discover your gift? It happens in the context of community the convergence of ability, affinity, and opportunity. So with that question addressed, let's turn now to the text that Nick just read for us from Corinthians chapter 12. And this is the continuation of what Paul was teaching the Corinthian church. And if you have your Bible handy or your phone handy, feel free to call it up. I've been meeting recently with a pastor who's Now at the end of his career, he's stepped away from church ministry and he's turning his time over 
amongst other things, to mentoring younger leaders. And as we checked in with one another this week, he asked what was going on in our shared life together. And amongst other things, I shared with him this sermon series, how it is our desire that we would be a community where the diversity of spiritual gifts were received and expressed. And he not only affirmed the fruitfulness of that endeavor, but he also named the potential pitfall, that of divisiveness. And so it is there that we seek to wrap up our series such that we would desire as a community to foster the climate, the environment, where all of the spiritual gifts that God has given us might be utilized for our mutual benefit. As we said last week, to its credit, the Corinthian church was both receiving and expressing the diversity of spiritual gifts. But grievously, it was honoring some spiritual gifts above others. It seems that two of the power gifts in particular, that of tongues and prophecy, were being honored and all the other gifts were being diminished. And it led to those without those gifts feeling inferior and those with those gifts were susceptible to spiritual pride. And it was having a catastrophic impact on their life and mission. Years ago, I was serving at a church where such division was a defining moment in his history. There was, a couple of decades ago, a community prayer meeting. And the leader of this particular prayer meeting said in the meeting, I'd like for those with the gift of tongues to go on that side of the room and those who don't have that gift to go on the other. And those of us who can pray in tongues will pray for you that you too will receive this gift. One gift was being honored above the others. And this moment grievously sparked division. And the backlash led to those with the power gifts leaving the church. And those that remained crafted and voted on a motion at Vestry, the annual general meeting, to say, those types of gifts have no place in our church. At the heart of the problem for Corinth, At the heart of the problem for this church was that some gifts were being honored above other gifts. And so it begs the question of us, are we a community that honors some gifts above other gifts? Well, let me put it this way. If you were to look out at the current climate of the Western Protestant church, you'd probably recognize that there are three distinct kinds of churches. We have what often get labeled liberal churches, known for their social justice, their care and concern for the poor, the marginalized, those at the edges. Their corporate life is marked by love, practical love of the other. They manifest the love of God in practical ways. We have what often get labeled conservative churches, known for their commitment to historical Christian belief. They have a high view of the Bible in learning together in small groups in Christian education for all ages. You hear people from these kinds of churches saying, we're all about the Word of God. We're all about clarifying the nature, action, and purposes of God. 
And then we have the charismatic churches. Service is marked with prophecy, prayers of healing, singing, praying in tongues. They're all about demonstrating the power, presence, and purposes of God. Now, I know that these are broad generalizations, but I think you can see what I'm driving at. And I think we often sort of attribute these differences to theological conviction. But I wonder if in light of the series on the spiritual gifts, we might see these differences as gift-based. The so-called liberal churches honoring love gifts. The so-called conservative churches honoring word gifts. The so-called charismatic churches honoring power gifts. And if you spend enough time around these kinds of churches, you'll begin to hear their critiques of the kinds of churches they're not. Those predominantly made up of love gifts will complain of the other two. They rarely put faith into action. Where is their love for this or that group of people so heavenly minded that they're no earthly good? Those predominantly made up of power gifts will often question the Christian identity of the others. How can they call themselves Christian when they're not open to the Spirit? They lack life. They're doing this under their own strength. Those predominantly made up of word gifts will speak of the others rejecting biblical orthodoxy, elevating experience above Scripture. And we think of these difference differences is often theological. But how much of it is actually gift-based? These are communities that are formed when we honor one gift set over and above other gift sets. Now, what about us? Are we a community that honors some gifts over other gifts? Well, Little Trinity is a church that historically has centered around word gifts, right? I mean, historically, we've elevated teaching, encouragement, pastoring, leading, shepherding above the other gifts. And we've built for ourselves a church that throughout its history has said, we're all about holding forth the word of life. We honor the place of the preached word, the formation of children and youth, discipleship that happens in small groups. It's fantastic. There's lots to celebrate. Praise God for the word gifts in action in our midst. But when we honor some gifts to the exclusion of others, perhaps not consciously, but unconsciously, we can create a gift tension, which if we're not attentive to, can cause division. I hear those with, in our midst with love gifts say, it's to our shame that we don't reach out more to those around us the poor, the marginalized, to extend the mercy and love and resources that God has given us to the world around us beyond our walls. What's wrong with us that we don't reach out more in love? I hear those with power gifts say, we're so proud of who we are as a church, but we're doing it at our own strength and not upon the power of God. He needs to be glorified, not us. There's so much we could do if we just relied upon the power of the Spirit and not our own intellect. We're quenching the work of the Spirit here. I've seen those with word gifts sometimes roll their eyes at those with power gifts, thinking their worldview is somehow one brick short of a load. Or I've seen 
in the word gifts, a dismissal of the work of social justice within the church. No, they'll say, guarding and rooting us in orthodoxy is the true work of the church. There's gift tension in our midst that we must be attentive to such that it won't lead to division. But more importantly, we need to address it so that we might live into the fullness of who we're called to be. And so Paul, addressing the gift tension in Corinth, can address it in us. And in verse 7, Paul gives his core conviction to address that gift tension. To each of us is given a manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. To each of us is given, given a manifestation of the Spirit. The same Spirit gives the love gifts. The same Spirit gives the word gifts. The same Spirit gives the power gifts. Who gets what gift has nothing to do with us and everything to do with the Spirit's will. So any spiritual pride given community expression through the honoring of some gifts over others is utterly incompatible to them being gifts. Now, I think it would be fair to say that the power gifts can be particularly susceptible, as we see in Corinth, to spiritual pride. Because unlike love and word gifts that can be wrongly attributed to natural talent or inclination, the power gifts appear supernatural. So God must think I'm pretty special to give me one of these gifts. No, Paul would say, all of the gifts are supernatural. You would not have them if they hadn't been given to you. Those gifts don't arise out of your natural abilities. And so mercy is as supernatural as tongues. Teaching as supernatural of words of wisdom and knowledge. Giving as supernatural as healing. Each is given a manifestation of the Spirit for the common good, for the common good. Paul also addresses that gift tension by revealing the purpose for these gifts. And he does so by using the image of a body, that each part of our physical bodies has different purposes, different functions. But all of the parts of our body must work together for our lives to flourish If one part would be removed, the whole body will suffer. And just as we need all of the parts of our physical bodies to flourish, to live into the fullness of our humanity, we need the diversity of gifts given to the church so that we might live into the fullness of who we're called to be as church. Each of us is given a manifestation of the Spirit For the common good. That's the purpose of the gifts. So I would say to those with word gifts in our midst. Keep doing what you're doing. God has given you that gift. Exercise it. Press on. But don't dismiss the ones with the love gifts and the power gifts. Thinking that somehow if they just understood the Bible like you do. They would do what you do. They would focus on what you're focused on. You need them. We all need them. 
to grow into the fullness of who we're called to be. So create space for their gifts to be exercised so that all of us might be built up in love. And I would say to you, who have the power and the love gifts, inviting the word gift people to be more like you, and if not, seeing it as a deficit in their faith, is not appreciating that they're simply doing what God has gifted them to do. Don't hold your gift back. We need you. We all need you to exercise those gifts. But also lean in to the word gift people. For their strength is giving us a biblical vision of the kingdom that we are bearing witness to. Their strength is rooting our activity in the truth of the gospel. Their strength is making sure that we never become untethered from the apostolic faith. As they need you, you need them. Each is given a manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. And so rooted and grounded in that truth, let us foster the environment, the climate, where the diversity of gifts can be expressed, that we might walk in balance and equilibrium with the calling, bearing witness and word and deed to a new humanity, a new future that Jesus has won for us in his death and resurrection, that we might come to maturity in Christ and be built up in love for the glory of Jesus alone. Amen. You've just listened to a podcast from Little Trinity Church in Toronto. Please check out our website at www.littletrinity.org to find out more about our ministries and services.